Hello and welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest on the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Sports. It's been a little while. We're going to start checking in weekly from now on because starting June 1st, the NCAA has finally, finally lifted the ban on visits to campus. So we will have prospects who can actually visit campuses. We will have coaches who can actually visit kids at their schools. We can have coaches who can show up to evaluate kids at various satellite camps. Recruiting is real. It is live for the first time in more than 15 months. It was more than 15 months ago that the NCAA halted all campus visits and all in-person contact by declaring an emergency dead period in response to COVID-19. 15 months. It's been 15 months since kids could visit campus. It's been 15 months since college coaches could go see kids in person. It's finally lifted, which means there's going to be a tremendous, tremendous amount of recruiting going on starting right away in the month of June. Oregon State is hosting big official visit weekends every single weekend in June. We will each week break down who is visiting. Later in the show, we will get to who is visiting that first weekend in June. But first, we've got to look at this Oregon men's basketball roster that has been disassembled and reassembled. And once again, it seems like Dana Altman has as uh, John Rothstein says, aligned the Rubik's cubes or the, uh, aligned a Rubik's cube with this roster and created what should be a Pac-12 title contender. To recap what's gone on this offseason, Oregon lost Jerry West shooting guard of the year, Chris Duarte. They lost Eugene Amarui, a big-time player, an all-conference player. LJ Figueroa had an opportunity to stay in school. He was enrolled in spring classes, but he elects to move on. Amarui Hardy, a shooting guard who transferred from LSU, point guard, shooting guard, kind of combo guard player who transferred from LSU last year. He played sparingly uh, this year. He had a chance to come back. He elects to move on. Then you also have a slew of transfers. Aaron Estrada decides to transfer. Jalen Ter- uh, Terry, the freshman, decides to move on. Chandler Lawson decides to move on, which also leads to his brother, Jonathan Lawson, a top 60 recruit in the nation as part of the class of 2021. He signed with Oregon. He asks for his release. Chandler Lawson and Jonathan Lawson leave and commit to Memphis. Suddenly, Oregon has a nucleus that is pretty limited because if you don't if you don't already know, Will Richardson and EJ Williams Jr. have the opportunity to move on. Now they look like they're going to come back. They look like they're going to. They have not a form. They have not formally decided. They have not formally announced that they will return to Eugene. But all signs point to them returning to Eugene. So you've got those two. And then you've also gotten Fale Dante coming off a knee injury, but he should be 100% about a month before the season starts. He should be good to go. Former five-star recruit. So you've got Fale Dante, although, again, he's probably going to be a little rusty. Frank Kepnang was part of the original class of 2021. He enrolled early and was a factor for Oregon as kind of an eighth or ninth man, but certainly a guy that shows tremendous promise at six foot 11, seven feet tall, rim protector, uh, potential finisher at the rim. Nice player there. He's coming back. Locke Wurr is coming back. He played sparingly. And then you've got signed, sealed, delivered, five-star center Nathan Biddle, the number nine overall recruit in the nation coming in. 
This isn't football. If you sign a five-star prospect, it's not just a projection they're going to be good. It's they probably are going to be very good from day one. Nathan Biddle, the highest-rated Oregon prospect ever to sign with Oregon in the history of modern recruiting. Every once in a while, I'll get an email. Uh, I'll get, uh, it seems like it should be like a fax or a, or a telegram from, from a parent or someone who's lived in Oregon since the dawning of time, who says, actually, they got so-and-so in 1973, and he was a parade first-team All-American, so he might have been a top five or six recruit in the nation. Listen, we're going with modern recruiting rankings. We're going with modern rankings of rivals, scout, 24-7 sports. In that time frame, Nathan Biddle, the number nine prospect in the nation, formerly of Crater, transferred to Prolific Prep in California for his senior year. He still counts as an Oregonian, number nine prospect in the nation. Uh, coming to Oregon, and again, he should be a factor. So, Will Richardson, EJ Williams Jr., then Biggs, and Folly Dante, Frank Kepnang, Lockwer, and Nathan Biddle. That's kind of your core. I know a lot of people like to bring up Isaac Johnson, the seven-footer who was on a two-year Mormon mission. He is coming into this class. Yes, it's true, but he hasn't played basketball in two years. So, in terms of the nucleus I expect to potentially contribute, I don't even count him. He hasn't played basketball in two years. So yes, he's part of it. It's not that I forgot him. It's that he hasn't dribbled a basketball in two years and the transition from high school basketball, pause two years, to picking up a basketball and competing in the Pac-12 is a really, really big deal, even if you were a four-star prospect. So I don't necessarily expect him to come in and immediately be a star. That's a pretty thin roster. Yes, you've got, again, a pair of guards and you've got some depth, but you don't have a lot of wings. You've got some depth at center, but you don't have a lot of wings. You don't have a power forward. What is Oregon going to do? Again, Dana Altman finds a way. So first first step, he loses uh, Coach Stubblefield to DePaul, brings in Chris Crutchfield. Why is Chris Crutchfield a big deal? Well, that man is an elite, elite recruiter. He brought in Trey Young uh, to Oklahoma. He also brought in, a few years ago, Devian Harmon. To Oklahoma. Devian Harmon was the Sooners' second leading scorer this year. He decided to enter his name into the NBA draft, decides, eh, I'm probably going to come back. The evaluation probably said second round pick. And he has that relationship with Coach Crutchfield, who Oregon hired this offseason. Devian Harmon, lots of options. One of the top transfers in the nation commits to Oregon. This, uh, this past season, he averaged 12.9 points, 3.4 rebounds, 2.1 assists per game. Suddenly, you've got some depth at guard. Eric Williams Jr., really nice piece. Devian Harmon, upgrade. And if you have Will Richardson and Devian Harmon in that backcourt, that's one of the best backcourts in the Pac-12 Conference. You've got two guys that can fill it up, they can attack, they can shoot from the outside, they can do a little bit of everything. But of course, because it's Dana Altman, he's not done. And if you feel like, you know, Nimick, you're kind of, you're kind of giving Dana Altman too much credit here is just saying, well, of course, Dana Altman, this guy's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. This is a man who has had a lot of roster turnover at his time at Oregon, and he just kind of finds ways, whether it's through the JC ranks and getting guys like Chris Duarte or Elgin Cook, whether it's going up to Canada or Oregon, who he ended up in the JC ranks himself, but Chris Boucher, a kid who, you know, from Canada, a transfer junior college route, ends up kind of meandering his way to Oregon, and now he's a productive NBA player. Then he finds these four-star recruits, these Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, Peyton Pritchard. He develops them over a series of years. They become productive NBA players. This guy just finds pieces and accumulates pieces from all over. And Oregon always starts out looking okay. They're a top 25 team. We'll see. 
then suddenly by the end of the year, everybody's going, wait a minute, this might be a team that can make a deep run. Four years in a row, they've won either the postseason Pac-12 title or the regular season Pac-12 title, and they've made the Sweet 16. So he just sort of finds a way, regardless of what you think of his rosters in June or July, by the time next March rolls around, it's a postseason team poised to make a deep run. That's what he does. So he gets Debbie and Harmon, again, a good group, but still not done. And Rivaldo Sores, originally out of Boston, Massachusetts, he becomes available. Arguably the junior college player of the year, a first team junior college All-American. His recruitment's ongoing. He's got a lot of options. He's got choices all over the country because he played high school ball in Boston. So he's got all the Massachusetts connections, all the East Coast connections, Bunch of coaches in that area know him. Then he goes and plays in South Plains College for, for in Texas for his junior college ball. So then he's got the Texas area schools interested in him. And then, of course, Oregon being a West Coast school. So from coast to coast, this kid's getting recruited. Averaged, th- uh, excuse me, uh, 15.2 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game. Talented player, has a lot of options. Oklahoma State's in the mix. DePaul's in the mix. A number of schools and he commits to Oregon. They get another piece. And the major selling point here, Rivaldo Sores is a first-team junior college All-American. He's a six-foot-six playmaker. Remind you of anyone? Chris Duarte came out of the junior college ranks. He was a first-team All-American. He was the National Player of the Year. Six-foot-six playmaker. Oregon can pitch to Rivaldo and did pitch to Rivaldo. Come in, replace Chris Duarte in terms of the role we see you as, and within a couple years, potentially, we can develop you along a similar vein as Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte projects now as a late first-round NBA draft pick. That's the selling point. How do we know we can do this for you, Rivaldo? We just did it with Chris Duarte. How do you compare to him? Well, you were a six-foot-six first-team All-American out of the JUCO ranks. So was Chris Duarte. This is the roadmap. Proven track record. We can do it. And it worked because Rivaldo Sores is coming in and suddenly now you've got a deep backcourt. You've got Will Richardson, Devian Harmon, Rivaldo Sores, and EJ Williams Jr. It's a good group. It's a good group. And then in the front court, you've got Infale Dante, former five-star recruit. And I know he's had his issues in terms of production because he's been hurt. He's been banged up during his time at Oregon. But we started to see a glimmer of what he could be right before he got hurt. He posted back-to-back double-doubles and started to look like a dominant, frankly, like a former five-star prospect. He looked like he was starting to deliver on that five-star promise. Back-to-back double-doubles, arguably the two most productive games he's had in his whole career. That's what you were starting to see from Infale Dante before he got hurt. If he's able to hit his stride and be that guy, the guy we saw those last two games, they've got an all-conference post player. Again, you've also got Frank Kepnang, who was the number five center in the nation, according to ESPN. He showed flashes in his first season with the Ducks as an early enrollee last season. And you bring in Nathan Biddle. And again, I don't think it's overstating it to say when he's the number nine recruit in the nation, you expect him to be productive from day one. Nathan Biddle should be a good player from day one. That's a pretty good group. And Oregon still isn't done. Because they remain in the mix for a number of players, including Jacob Young, out of Rutgers, 14 points per game, 3.4 assists. Those are his per-game numbers at Rutgers. Why does the name Jacob Young sound familiar? Well, not only is he a similar build, he's also the younger brother of Joseph Young, formerly a conference player of the year for the Ducks after he transferred from Houston. 
Joseph Young had a great experience from Oregon, got developed, and had a long, and I believe still has a long, professional career ongoing. There's a lot of trust in this staff with that young family. I think there's a real possibility, even with the guys they're bringing back, that they can say, Jacob, there's going to be playing time for you. There's going to be spots for you. And we're going to let you fill it up. You're going to be a scorer here. He might be a sixth man. He might be a starter. But Jacob Young, another piece Oregon could very well add, a very talented player. And then maybe the headliner of this group. And, and it's, it's tough to say because Jacob Young's a great player, great pedigree. Rivaldo Soros, first team All-American in the junior college ranks. We saw what that can lead to in Chris Duarte. We just saw that path. And then Devian Harmon, the second leading scorer for an Oklahoma Sooners team that's very, very good. And he started from his freshman year. So he started for two seasons for Oklahoma. So those are three really good players. But arguably, Quincy Garrier could be the best of the group. A Canadian prospect originally out of the class of 2019. Oregon was in his top three in the original recruitment. And he chose Syracuse. Went to Syracuse. Kind of developed and got bigger. He's a bigger body than he was. In fact, when he was a prospect, a lot of people saw him as a shooting guard. He's now, I think, six foot six, six foot seven, uh, 210, 220 pounds. So he's a different kind of player, frankly. He's gotten more physical. Last season for Syracuse in the ACC, he averaged 13.7 points, 8.4 rebounds per game. Third team all ACC. This is an immediate potential all-conference player. I don't know if he's an immediate first-team all-conference player, but I don't think there's any doubt that wherever he goes, the projection is this guy will end up being an all-conference performer. That's how good he is. That's how good he's expected to be at his next stop. Quincy Guerrier, in the last 24 hours, last 48 hours, I guess now, has, by the time this runs anyway, has a top four of Arizona State, Illinois, Memphis, and Oregon. Of those schools, Oregon's got a very, very good shot. Do I think they're the leader? It's impossible to say. He's not talking to anybody right now. I think Arizona State's going to be a tough sell because Remy Martin, their back-to-back first-team all-conference guard, entered the transfer portal. I think when you lose that piece, there's some instability. If you transfer somewhere, you want to compete for a league title at least and maybe a deep run. And right now, Arizona State cannot say that. They've lost a number of quality players. So much so that, that people locally are kind of pointing to what's going on with Coach Hurley. And I don't know that that's fair at all. In fact, his dad tried to dispel some of those rumors in an interview. I believe it was with The Athletic saying, you know, Remy has a great relationship with Coach Bobby Hurley. That is not the reason we're transferring. But because he's lost so many pieces in the last, well, just this offseason, there are some concerns. So I, I don't necessarily see him going to Arizona State unless he just wants to be alpha dog day one because Arizona State's roster is pretty depleted. So if he wants to go there and immediately be alpha dog, he's got a chance to do that. The other options certainly are realistic. He could go to those other places. But his primary recruiter in the class of 2019 was Coach Mike Menega. Mike Menega's on staff. If it was Coach Stubblefield, who recently left for DePaul, I'd be a little more worried. I'd be a little bit more skeptical about their possibility of them adding this player. But Quincy's a guy who's had a long-standing relationship with Coach Menega. He's a Canadian prospect. Everyone who follows Oregon basketball knows their long run with Canadian prospects. They've had a number of high-quality Canadian prospects come through there and develop and develop. 
Dylan Ennis and Chris Boucher, obviously just a couple of those names, but there's been a bunch of them. There's been 10 of them in the last probably decade plus. I think Oregon's got a great shot. And if they add Quincy Garrier, I think this is seriously, in terms of depth, you have Will, if he joins, right? If he joins, you've got Will Richardson, EJ Williams, uh, Eric Williams Jr. I think I've been calling him EJ Williams. Uh, Eric Williams Jr., uh, Devian Harmon, Rivaldo Sores is your backcourt. That's a really good backcourt. Jacob Young also possibly in the mix. Those are five guys that could play. Five guys that can really score. And then in the front court, you've got Nfale Dante, five-star prospect. Uh, Nathan Biddle, five-star prospect, number nine prospect in the country. Frank Kepnang, the number five center in the nation. Locke were a long, talented, developmental piece, but, but certainly a guy who can give you late-game minutes. Uh, and then potentially Quincy Garrier. A, a maybe a guy who can average a double-double, that's a really good roster. That's a potential Elite Eight, Final Four, Pac-12 title kind of roster, even with, even with everybody getting all excited about UCLA. And listen, I'm not trying to take anything from UCLA. They might be a preseason top five team in the nation. They probably will be. But how many years in a row, how many years have we heard all this talk about it's going to be UCLA or Arizona in the Pac-12? You hear it every year. Well, Arizona loaded recruiting class and they return a bunch of four and five star guys. Arizona's number two in the nation. Arizona's number four in the nation. Oregon, a lot of new pieces. We'll see what Dana Altman can do with them. 18th. UCLA, number two recruiting class in the nation. It's finally UCLA's year. They're going to be one of the top teams in the country. Oh man, I don't know what Oregon's going to do. They don't, they don't return a ton. They lost some major producers. I know they got some transfers, but we'll see. Oregon, 24th. And then you fast forward to March and suddenly there's Oregon. I think we could be looking at that again this year. And we could be looking at, in terms of productive, immediate talent, the deepest injection of talent we've ever seen in a single year for Oregon. Rivaldo Soares, first team All-American junior college player. Devian Harmon, a potential all-conference guard. Jacob Young, if he comes, 14 points per game. Quincy Garrier, an all-ACC selection. And by the way, five-star center Nate Biddle. That's a lot of talent that could potentially come into this roster. It's really interesting to see how this is coming together. I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying covering it because it seems like it's coming from all different directions. Oh, suddenly it's this guy. Oh, suddenly it's this guy. Uh, Oregon's potentially going to have a very, very good basketball roster. Again, go figure. Here we are. We could probably do this every year. But I thought the pieces this offseason have been really interesting. We talked about it to open the show. And we'll get there. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. I told you to start the show. Oregon State is wasting no time in hosting official visits. After 15 months of the NCAA, declaring an emergency dead period due to COVID-19. Things open up again June 1st, and Oregon State is opening the floodgates. Every weekend in the month of June, Oregon State will be hosting visitors. And not just a handful of visitors, but significant high numbers of visitors. In the, over the course of the month, and again, we're going to break this down week by week because there's just too many names. I could do a three-hour podcast if you'd like, and we could go over every name and what their rankings are and what their offers are, and it would take forever. 
because some weekends they're hosting six and some weekends they're hosting 16, 17, 18. This is going to be fluid. I don't think the best way to do this is to give you who is confirmed for June 20, whatever. I don't think that's the best way to do it because guys get added, guys get subtracted. But I do think it's reasonable. I do think it's fair to go over June 4th. That June 4th through June 6th weekend, I think is worthwhile going over and talking about who's going to visit. Because one, I've confirmed all the names, I I think, that are supposed to be on the list. I don't think there's going to be anybody that's too surprising in terms of junior college players or high school players. Transfer portal guys, uh, still working on. But in terms of high school players and junior college players, I believe the entire list uh, is confirmed for that weekend. And it's a good weekend. All in all, in the whole month, what we're going to see from Oregon State is a lot more four-star guys visiting than before. And I don't know how closely everybody listens to recruiting with Andrew Nimick on 1080 The Fan, 7 to 8 p.m. Thursday nights. I don't know how often uh, people check in with my stories. I don't know if it's an every story thing, if it's an every show kind of thing. But I have touched on this a number of times over the past 15 months or so. When the NCAA shut down visits to Corvallis, it might have hurt Oregon State more than almost anyone in the nation. Everybody knew Alabama was Alabama. When you halt things, yes, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, those programs would love to host visits. They'd love to host visits. But when you put a pause on it, you're also halting whatever your reputation is. You don't get a chance to change your reputation from a visit. Oregon is known for facilities that'll blow you away. They can show you pictures of that. It fits the reputation. Alabama is still Alabama. When they recruit, would they love to host guys on campus? Sure. Would that dramatically alter what people thought of Alabama when you visit? Probably not. National championship program, great facilities, trophies in the trophy case, really nice weight room. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing Nick Saban in person. That's all expected. Clemson, number one facilities in the nation. Well, they can show you a virtual tour and you can see that. They know about trophies in the trophy case. Everybody knows what to expect. But what I was getting, and I checked this with other reporters too. In fact, I had an Oregon Duck reporter for recruiting contact me to say, hey, are you hearing this too? I kept hearing from recruits, Oregon State is a whole lot different than I expected. It's nicer. Again, go back to that spring. That's 15 months ago. Oregon State was considered one of the programs with top 25 facilities in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. I believe in the most updated rankings, they were they fell out of the top 25, but are still considered right on the edge of being top 25 facilities. That's not the reputation that Oregon State has. And, and if you want to get upset with me and say that you're, you know, you're being negative, I, I'm sorry. That, nobody thinks that just off the top of their head. What do you think when you think of Oregon State? You don't go, man, some of the best facilities in the country. Because they've upgraded their facilities. It's different than the expectation. When you go and you don't have these massive expectations of best facilities in the country and you see, wow, this is really, really nice. That does something for your program. It leaves a lasting impression because you're more impressed than what you expected to be. And a lot of times in the spring, what ends up happening is teams come over for seven-on-seven tournaments, teams from LA, teams from Texas, teams from Florida, and they'll come play on the West Coast and then they'll do a West Coast tour. They'll check out Cal and Stanford and Washington and Washington State and Oregon and Oregon State. And whether or not people want to hear this or not, in the last three or four years prior to this, sometimes Oregon State was a pit stop for some of those seven-on-seven programs on their way to Oregon. There were kids, four- and five-star kids who visited who weren't paying a ton of attention. 
again, that changed last spring. There were legitimate four-star guys going, man, I might have to bump Oregon State up my list. And again, when an Oregon Duck recruiting reporter calls me and is like, man, are you hearing kids are really excited about what Oregon State's offering? Are you hearing they had a great time on their tour? I was like, yeah, that fits what I'm hearing too. That's a great sign. That means other programs, reporters are starting to notice, man, Oregon State might be picking up steam. And then things got shut down. End of momentum. So all that gets held in their minds is the perception. And the perception is Oregon State, nice college town, not necessarily one of in the arms race of the Pac-12 in terms of facilities, not necessarily among the leaders. Well, that's a false narrative. They're up there. I think people are going to be shocked by what they see. And not only that, but I'm sorry, it's true. Gary Anderson hosted terrible visits. Terrible visits. Visits did not go well. He didn't put the right people in charge of touring kids. I know of, I know factually this is correct. There was a four-star prospect who was an All-American who was on a visit. The position coach decided he didn't want to host the visit anymore. He wanted to go home and spend time with his family and just left. And another coach... Now I'm not remembering this last part. I believe it was Gary Anderson. It might not have been Gary Anderson. Found him in the facilities with his family, walking around by himself, and said, where's your assistant coach? He said the coach's name. And he said he went home. That There was no chance the kid was going to go there. I'm telling you right now, that doesn't happen with Coach Smith. With Coach Smith in charge, they've got a schedule. There is no, hey, what do you want to see? That used to be a staple of an Oregon State visit. Kids would show up and they'd say, so what do you want to see? They don't know. Kids don't know what they want you to show them. They want to be shown and blown away. Oregon State's got a schedule. It's a good schedule. It shows off things in the proper order. It leaves kids excited. It's a good thing. They've upgraded the way they host a visit, and they've upgraded the visitors they're hosting. I think people are going to be really surprised. I've predicted that this will be the best recruiting class in the time I've been covering recruiting at Oregon Live. I think that's five or six years. This will be the best recruiting class. Why? Well, I think Oregon State is doing a better job hosting visits. I think they've streamlined their message. I think they're playing better on the field than they have before. And the last time they were hosting visits, the feedback was really, really positive. And then it got halted before they could fully experience that for a whole recruiting class. They're going to be able to fully experience that for a whole recruiting class in the class of 2022. And I think it's going to pay huge, huge dividends. So pay attention to that with hosting visits and these official visitors. Does Oregon State have a higher hit rate going forward? I bet they do. So I bet the names that are visiting mean more than they used to. When Jonathan Kongbo visited, the JC borderline five-star guy, I think he was the number one defensive end in the country. When he visited and Connor Weddington and Daniel Green and Savan Ahmed all came and visited Corvallis, visit didn't go well. Kongbo wasn't that blown away. Ahmed, Daniel Green, it might have been, yeah, Daniel Green and uh, Connor Weddington, they lost their credentials, so not the kids did, Oregon State did, and they were left outside for a while. That's not going to happen anymore. So the hit rate is going to get better because the visits are going to go much better than that. Who's visiting June 4th? Let's get to it. Four-star offensive lineman, Dave Iluli from Puyallup, Washington, offers from all over. Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado, LSU, Oklahoma, Oregon, Oregon State, Tennessee, USC, and Washington. Four-star offensive lineman, the number eight offensive guard in the country. This one's a little bit of a flyer, but I like to see it, and I think it's telling. He's the number eight offensive guard in the country. 
And by almost all accounts, everyone expects him to choose Washington. They're the heavy favorite. But rather than back away, rather than go, eh, in-state kid, probably going to stick with the Huskies. They're ready to do battle. They're going to host the kid. They get his first visit. He does have other visits scheduled. In fact, uh, he has visits to California, Oklahoma, and USC scheduled for later in the month. But Oregon State's going to get his first official visit. And I think that's impressive. I think take the swing. I think in years past, we saw Oregon State, again, not under Coach Smith, past coaches. I think Oregon State kind of shied away from, from hosting these guys that were like pretty much going to go to a different school. Host him. See if you can swing him. If you can end up getting the number eight offensive guard in the country, that was worth taking the shot. I like what I'm seeing from that. I think that's really telling. Six foot five, 315 pound interior lineman. Uh, exciting. A pair of Duncanville, Texas prospects. Wide receiver tight end, Drail Powers. Not rated, but uh, quick, <laughs> quick addendum to that. He's not rated. Here's his offers. Again, no star. No star prospect. He just hasn't been evaluated. Arizona State, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida State, Oregon State, Utah, and several others. I'm going to go ahead and throw out that he'll be rated at some point. On Rivals, he's a three-star. On 24-7, he's not rated. Again, they just haven't had a chance to see him recently. Uh, six foot four, 225-pound, versatile tight end prospect. Oregon State has developed Luke Musgrave. They've developed Tegan Quintoriano. I would expect they're going to take one or two tight ends in the class of 2022. They've shown they can do it with different kinds of tight ends. Tegan Quintoriano, more of a blocker, big bodied guy. Luke Musgrave, more of a receiving tight end. Both of them have NFL futures, I believe, when they're done in Corvallis. That's a really good selling point. And on top of that, if you can get that kid out of Duncanville, Texas, maybe start to build that pipeline to Texas, and also land his teammate, three-star defensive tackle Quincy Wright, visiting this same weekend, that would be a bonus. Quincy Wright, a defensive tackle. He's the number 43 defensive tackle in the nation. That's a little misleading. People will say the 43rd defensive tackle, not that impressive. There aren't a lot of them in the West region. You're going to have to leave the region, and you might have to take a swing at the 31st best defensive tackle, the 52nd best defensive tackle, to get one on campus, to get one in your program. Six foot two, 270 pounds. There's work to do with the body. He's got offers from Arkansas, Colorado State, Kansas, Marshall, Minnesota, and Oregon State. I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he fills potentially a need. Again, these are visitors, not commitments. I think he potentially fills a need for you if you can get him. And oh yeah, by the way, his teammate's really good. Being able to double dip with the Duncanville duo would be really nice to see. Hudson Cedarland, a three-star linebacker out of Washington, His only offer right now is Oregon State. This is one of my favorite players from this past season. Hudson Cedarland, I love this story. He trains with the Breakfast Club. Not the 1980s Breakfast Club. Ford Sports Performance out of Seattle, Seattle Bellevue area, has guys, kind of the top players in the the Seattle area, get together at 6 a.m. every morning or every other morning to work out and train. And if you don't know, that's run by Tracy Ford. He's the CEO. He's also trained Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, DK Metcalf, a lot of the Seahawks guys or former Seahawks guys in the case of Richard Sherman. Uh, He's trained a bunch of college kids, a ton of college kids, uh, including Savan Ahmed, Connor Weddington, JT Tuamalau, Keith Brown, the recent Oregon signee. He's had a bunch of guys. Hudson Cedarland lives in Gig Harbor. It's an hour away. 
Hudson Cedarland gets up at 4 a.m. to go train with the Breakfast Club at FSP to try to get better every time they have one of those. He gets up at 4 a.m., sets his alarm, has breakfast, gets there, competes. He's hungry for it. Loves to hit, loves to tackle. This is a kid, I think, who can be a tone setter uh, with the defense. I like him. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. I don't think his type with his work ethic grow on trees. I think they're hard to find. So I think Oregon State being the only offer is not a bad sign. You shouldn't be disappointed seeing, oh man, his only offer is Oregon State. We might be reaching. This is a three-star kid who I think will have a dozen offers, and I don't know what level from FCS all the way up to Power 5. I think there are going to be programs who put in the film, learn about him, and go, that's a guy we got to have. And I think there are going to be some FCS-level schools that go, we might be able to steal this guy. I think they're wrong, but they might think that. I think there's Mountain West programs that are like, this would be one of the stars of our class. And then I think there's going to be Power 5s like Oregon State who believe, who say, with this kid's work ethic, six foot three, 215 pounds, with his size, with his athleticism, I think three and four years from now, we can turn him into an all-conference inside linebacker. I like Oregon State's gamble there. I like that they were first to offer. I think, I think there's a chance Washington and Washington State come in late, but I think Oregon State got their foot in the door first, and I think that's going to help. If the visit goes swimmingly, I think there's a chance he commits sooner rather than later. I think that's one to watch, certainly. Cole Prusha. The other big name to watch on this visitor list, he's already committed to Oregon State. Class of 2022 kid, wide receiver, Tualatin, six foot three, 200 pounds. And by the way, this week, Cole Prusha named Oregon Gatorade Player of the Year. And I think that was well-deserved. I had a little bit of input. I was lucky enough in every year uh, for the past few years, Gatorades hit me up and, and kind of asked me what I thought. Cole Prusha was my pick. And, and realistically, I think there were some other guys that, could have been involved. I think Tanner Volk had a great season. I think Clay Masters out of West Lynn had a great season. Gavin Haynes, the running back out of West Lynn, had a really good season. Andrew Simpson out of Mountainside uh, was arguably the state defensive player of the year and a first-team all-state wide receiver. He had a great season. Cole Prusha is just different. This was a guy that Oregon State bought into early. If you look at stock risers in the state of Oregon, I don't think anybody raised their stock this spring season more than Cole Prusha. Not one, not one player. This is a kid who maybe was an interesting FCS target. Maybe. Because he, he really didn't have a ton of film. He really didn't have anything that he could lay his hat on. And then all he did was go out and have arguably the most dominant season by a wide receiver slash DB in the state. Phenomenal, phenomenal season. Deserves every ounce of credit that he gets. Cole Prusha committed early. Again, offer early. Commitment early. Hang on. That's the goal. And we've seen that time and time again. I've mentioned it uh, in articles. I've mentioned it on this podcast. I've mentioned it on my radio show. Oregon State with in-state targets has had the most success when they're the first power five to offer. Pervon Bradford offered first, got him. David Morris offered first, even though Oregon and Cal offered later, they got him. Sam Bidlack, first power five to offer, got him. Freshman already looking good in spring. Cole Prusha, before he was Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Oregon. They offered, they got him. Offering first for in-state kids that they believe in and feel strongly about has been a recipe for success. If they believe in a kid, they should pull the trigger and do it quickly because the hit rate on that versus being the seventh offer, the third offer, the 15th offer, the hit rate on that is pretty different. 
it's a much better hit rate. So if they believe, pull the trigger. The hard part with that and what people need to understand with that, the difficult part with that is you can't pull an offer. It's really hard to pull an offer with an in-state kid. You can pull offers for kids who aren't highly, who aren't super highly rated, but it is tough. It is if they're out of state, but it is tough to offer a kid and he's got one offer or two offers and it's Oregon state and Fresno state, or it's Oregon and Washington state or Oregon and Montana, whatever the case may be. And late in the process, you go, eh, you're not a take. It's a bad look. So you've got to be sure. But if you're sure, in the case of a guy like Cole Prusha, David Morris, Sam Vidlack, Trevon Bradford, Henry Buckles, when you're sure and you're first, you got a good chance to land that kid. A little bit of a transition to Oregon high school football. Oh, I'm not done with my list. My bad. See, it's so long, I uh, lose track. Mark Naboo, uh, Seattle, Washington, three-star offensive lineman. He's the number 18 offensive guard in the country. I think this one, uh, there's a good chance. Oregon State's got a better chance with, with this kid than Ayuli, who, again, is probably leaning towards Washington. Uh, the number 18 offensive guard in the country offers from Arizona State, Nevada, Oregon State, UNLV, uh, and Washington again. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Oregon State can pull that one off, but I think they're doing a good thing and they're getting West Region offensive linemen on campus early and they hope to build that relationship, sustain it, and then land better offensive linemen. If you've listened to this show, if you've listened to my writing or read my writing, you know, and, and just frankly, if you've paid attention to recruiting rankings, whether or not you listen to me or not, if you just look at recruiting rankings, the one area that Oregon State has really lagged behind everywhere else is offensive line. You could argue defensive tackle, but even there, they've gotten some transfers that are interesting. They just flat out have struggled to recruit highly rated offensive linemen. So getting the number eight guard in the nation, getting the number 18 guard in the nation on campus officially in early June is a good sign. It's progress. And that's the kind of progress you need to have. Again, that's one of the reasons I think this is going to be the best class in program history for Oregon State. Because class of 2021 kids did not get to visit And you have a certain number of official visits, but none of those kids got to visit. Nobody got to use any of them. Oregon State is also hosting two kids who signed with Oregon State from the class of 2021, but didn't get to take a trip to Corvallis. Because again, they've got all these extra official visits. The kids haven't enrolled in school yet, so it's totally legal to have them on official visits. Uh, Jason White, who if you remember, flipped from Boise State to Oregon State on signing day, one of their highest rated offensive line signees of the past four years. I think he was the highest rated offensive line signee of the past four years. Uh, He gets to check out Corvallis for the first time officially. And three-star wide receiver Jimmy Valson signed with Oregon State last year as part of the class. He will get to take an official visit. That is the list of June 1st official visitors. I do want to mention Melvin Jordan, the four-star inside linebacker, has already confirmed he will be visiting June 11th through 13th. He's committed to Oregon State. He did also mention he is hearing from multiple schools in the ACC and SEC. Remember, he's the Florida prospect, and that there's a good chance he camps with other programs. He's been committed to two other programs. When he committed, I said, you've got to watch his commitment carefully because if his recruitment picks up locally, it might be tough to hang on to him. He will be going to camps with some ACC or with some ACC or SEC programs. He's got a number of options. I talked to him this week. He will probably camp with some other 
programs. I don't, he has not said any other official visits. Oregon State right now is his only official visit. One of his coaches said he's totally locked into Oregon State with any cross country commitment, any cross country commitment who's highly recruited. I'll believe it when the paperwork is signed because the fact of the matter is cross country commitments tend to decommit or flip commitments more often than most. The other kind of guy that tends to flip his commitment more than others is the guy who's done it before. A lot of guys, when they've decommitted two, three, four times, you just want to wait until the paperwork's signed. So Melvin Jordan, he's committed to Oregon State. His only official visit, June 11th through 13th to Oregon State. That's his only scheduled official visit so far. But he is going to potentially camp with some programs closer to home in the Power 5 Conference. Quick transition to Oregon high school sports to wrap up the show. A couple of major major offers for state of Oregon prospects that I think are really worth highlighting in the class of 2023 Westland point guard Jackson Shellstead. If you haven't heard this kid's name by now, you got to be living under a rock. Jackson, Jackson Shellstead for some reason, that's a difficult name for me to say is a big time prospect. He's got a chance to be a top 50 player in the nation. Uh, when he was very, very young people in Westland, people connected in Westland said he's the next Peyton Pritchard. And that is high praise. Because Peyton Pritchard, I don't know if he's officially the mayor of Westland, probably not, but he's about as popular a person in Westland as there is. And it isn't, if you're, no one flippantly compares someone to the next Peyton Pritchard. Jackson Shellstead has a chance to be that kind of guy. This week, he picked up offers from Texas Tech and Stanford. He picked up an offer from Houston last week. Jackson Shellstead is going to be a super mega star and somebody to watch about as complete a point guard as you'll find probably since Peyton Pritchard in the state of Oregon. Jackson Shellstead is a special, special talent. He's an exciting talent. He plays basketball the right way, insanely high basketball IQ. He can score from all three levels, outside, mid-range, inside, elite passer, quick, good defender. Jackson Shellstead is blowing up, and I think that's a name to watch. And then the other guy who is blowing up, it's it's on the football field, on the gridiron, is Lake Ridge wide receiver tight end Joey Olson. He's six foot four, two hundred pounds, as a freshman in the TRL. And if you don't follow high school football, and I don't necessarily blame you in the state of Oregon, the TRL, the Three Rivers League, is the rough equivalent of the SEC. There have been multiple years where if you're looking at the six A rankings at the end of the year, Five of the top nine teams in the state come from the TRL. Four of the top six teams in the state are TRL teams. That's how deep the TRL is. So for him as a freshman to be first team all conference in the TRL, it it shocks some people, even if he is six foot four, 200 pounds. Joey Olson, the class of 2024. Oh my God, I'm getting old. Wide receiver tied in out of Lake Ridge. Got an offer from Louisville earlier in the process. This week, he adds an offer from Arizona State. He's officially arrived. This kid has a chance, and probably probably almost certainly, is that a good way to say that? Probably almost certainly. Has a chance to be one of the highest recruited kids, one of the most hotly recruited kids ever out of the state of Oregon. That's the ceiling. And you can say, don't put too much pressure on a kid early. I'm not saying what he's going to be. I'm telling you what he already is. He's a freshman with an offer from Arizona State and Louisville. And as a freshman, he was first team all conference. He is going to have double digit offers by the time he's a sophomore. That's that's the kind of trajectory he's on. So I don't think it's out of the question to say he's got 
five-star ceiling. I think there are people who probably think he'll get there. I personally think it's really, really, really hard. No, it's really, really hard to be a five-star tight end prospect. There are five-star wide receiver prospects. There are five-star offensive tackles, edge rushers, quarterbacks, running backs, uh, corners. It is really, really tough if you're not from a premium position to be a five-star recruit. There can be multiple five-star quarterbacks in a class. There can be multiple five-star offensive tackles. There's usually not more than one five-star tight end in a class. And if he's six foot four, and he is, excuse me, six foot five, 200 pounds at 14 years old, there's a really, really, really good chance he's going to be bigger than that three years from now, which makes him a tight end. And essentially, unless he's the number one tight end in America, he's probably not going to be a five-star recruit. But I do think he has five-star ceiling, and I do think there's almost a guarantee that in the first rankings that 24-7 puts out for the class of 2024, he'll be a four-star prospect. Special young talents coming out. Thank you for listening to The Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of The Oregonian and Oregon Live. We will be back weekly breaking down Oregon State's official visit list, Oregon's official visit list. We've got to follow Oregon men's basketball and who they add to this roster that seems to be growing and getting better and deeper by the day. And more, of course, the latest scholarship offers for Oregon high school kids. That and more as we continue with the recruiting trail. Thank you for listening. See you next week.